when I heard about it a while back, like it was, it sounded immediately interesting because of course the way that it's being filmed and to see it finally all put together um, is really quite an achievement. Like I think that that alone is uh, worth seeing the film for it. And yeah, there aren't always one through arc that defines your entire life, but there are things that you carry with you. There are things that happen that may have not meant anything in the past, but they did happen and they did form who you are. So the sheer fact that this film is presenting this information and in some seemingly unlinked ways just really, I don't know, it has its own little bit of magic to it. We never observe a moment where a character has a breakthrough, for instance, which is much more true to life because I'm sure I can count on one hand the number of times I've had a really life-changing conversation. <laughs> it, it doesn't actually happen that way. It's all about, all about slow growth and about the little things in life that build up to who you become. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 306 with a review of Boyhood. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this time around, hopefully this film is coming to a theater near you because uh, it's not available everywhere, I guess. But we are talking about Boyhood. How are you guys doing this uh, fine morning following the review in the feed, but predating the review as we record it. How's it going? I am fine in all different aspects of time. <laughs> yeah. I haven't hit 40% yet, but I can still stop time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can go back. It's I can, early. I can turn myself into confetti, so I'm good. So, so we actually, we record this one, and then we stop, we go back in time, and we record the Lucy episode. Right. Yes, yes. We stop time. Yeah, e- even though we'll be in control of time during that episode, we'll actually not have control of all the time, and we may have to yeah. cut things short. Like, so. just some of the time. Chris yeah. pulls out his sand dagger, and he's just like, it's time to turn back time. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that's actually, we're, we're recording Boyhood first so that I can build the sand up so that I'll have enough sand to right. be able to reverse time so we can record Lucy. Exactly. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, unlike, you know, unlike when we finally get to the point where we will be recording Lucy, we should have more brain capacity, usually early in the morning, and when we first have woken up, um, we're usually operating at lower brain capacity, but hopefully discussions that will be brought on by Boyhood will help elevate our brain capacity and let us get into some good conversation. True. I think so. And I do. I know this is the wrong episode to discuss it, but I hope everyone knows the 10% figure doesn't actually mean anything. <laughs> yes. There's no science behind that at all. Yeah, yeah. But, but Morgan Freeman said it was true, so yeah. it has to be true. But yeah. al- also, at, at least he took a step in the semi-correct direction in that it wasn't just we only use 10% of our brains, it was we use 10% of our brain's capacity. So, like, he was at least dipping his toe in a water acknowledging that like we use more than 10% of our brain in general mm-hmm. so yeah give no him a- he was really smart in the movie <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that, that's for another review this yeah, is for boyhood we'll, we'll talk about that much more in your feed previous to now and outside of your feed in, a, in about an hour mm-hmm. so 
anyways, uh, what do you say, guys? You know, we've been waiting 12 years to talk about this, so why don't we, <laughs> yeah. why don't we stop, not waste another 12 seconds and get into a review of Boyhood? Okay. Yep. All right, let's take a listen to the trailer and then let everybody know what we thought of the film. Joining us today. Hey, dude. Welcome to the suck. Mom. Have you been partying? A little bit. Oh, okay. What do you want to be, Mason? What do you want to do? Okay, so you just listened to the trailer for Boyhood. Um, this is the new film from Richard Linklater, and it is uh, a 12-year story told over the course of 12 years with the kids um, and the adults aging in 12 years. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's a new way to tell a coming-of-age tale in which the actors themselves are actually coming of age. So, um, 12 years of boy. Yes, 12, yeah. <laughs> 12 years of boy. <laughs> I was just writing down, make a joke about 12 years of slave. Uh, you know, the, the one difference is, uh, you know, uh, Brad Pitt can't sweep in and uh, no. magical, <laughs> magically yeah. make this boy into a man. <laughs> I'm a real boy. Uh, good times. Well, anyways, Carson, why don't you start us off and let us know what you thought of Boyhood. Uh, well, I, uh, very much enjoyed Boyhood. I think that, um, I think like, uh, Escape from Tomorrow or The Act of Killing last year, this is a movie that, uh, is one of its kind and, uh, has never been done before. And now that it's done, you can't really go back and do it again because people would just say you're, uh, ripping off Richard Linklater's Boyhood, and uh, well, well te- technically, if somebody wanted to do it, it'll be twelve years before it comes out. So by then, it won't be as, like it's not like somebody can put out a film like this tomorrow. Like, no, but I'm just saying that it's definitely you're just gonna forever draw comparisons to you know the one that did it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. kind of it's kind of a heavy responsibility of him <laughs> now right. that he did it he is going to be the standard by which people make these movies. Exactly, yeah. yeah. If someone wanted to do something in a similar fashion, uh, you know, Richard Linklater has always been sort of innovative in that way. Like, I think he has a very unusually good uh, filmography. Like, he has very few uh, misfires, I feel like. And even if 
their misfires, they're still somewhat interesting. And, you know, whether he's doing these small indie movies like the before movies or, 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 you know, Dazed and Confused, like he's doing like these mainstream films like School of Rock and, uh, or he's doing these like completely experimental movies like, you know, the, the rotoscoping stuff scanner darkly and then this this movie like it's just it's it's crazy how he can just bounce back and forth between all these different genres and all these different type of films and it always has his signature you know stamp on it and this was a movie that when i heard about it a while back like it was it sounded you know just immediately interesting because of course, the way that it's being filmed is interesting. And uh, to see it finally all put together um, is really quite an achievement. Like, I think that that alone is uh, worth seeing the film for. Luckily, the movie is also very good. So, uh, you know, it's it's another thing to compliment it on and to say that you need to see it. Uh, and... Funnily enough, uh, like 12 Years a Slave, I appreciated the fact that this film, um, it, it go, it moves through time in a way that doesn't tell you, you know, like there was no, uh, title cards or things that, you know, came up saying, you know, how old he was. No, no Twilight moment where he spins around <laughs> in the month. <laughs> right. The month is written. Exactly. Uh, even though it's like, well, we clearly see the seasons changing outside. I don't think I need to know it's winter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we don't, we don't get any of that. Um, it, and, and, it, and another it, thing, real fast, another thing that's great about the, the way that's happening is usually when the next scene starts, you're not directly looking at his face. It's usually like the back of his head or the side of his head and it takes you a second to realize that time has even passed at all which yeah is, which and is pretty it, cool. but i mean a lot of the times it's it's very quick you know he he'll either have like a different haircut or you can see that he's grown or there's just other indicators like certain music or uh cultural events yeah that uh can place you and you know put you let you know what time you're in and um i think that is I like when movies do that. You know, it's like I don't need to be told that it's this year or, you know, hey, look, he's on, he's at age, you know, 13 now or whatever. Because um, I think that, you know, having that breaks sort of the naturalistic flow of everything. And, um, you know, by the way they did it here, it really does keep that intact. And I think that that was really good. And also the fact that, you know, most coming of age stories, um, you know, they have to go back and, you know, if they if they're doing it, say like he's growing up in the seventies or whatever, like they have to go back and recreate the time period. It's like here, you know, we're we're watching like an actual period piece since it was shot in the years, you know, that it's supposed to be taking place. Like so, that's just really interesting because you know, there's they didn't have to worry about well, like. Did was this you know yeah, available this authentic then? 2004 right yeah. exactly like which halo is he supposed to be playing on xbox right, right. now what, <laughs> what, what type of xbox controller does is you know is he supposed to have like they didn't nothing like that has to you know be worried about and that's really interesting and also the fact that since you're doing it piece by piece like this um you know most 
most like period pieces uh they have you know it's written by someone who has future knowledge and like sometimes they'll put in jokes like because the person writing it knows like oh people relate to this because you know they know it's going to happen um but in this movie they have stuff like that but they didn't know what was going to happen. Like, there's a scene where Ethan Hawke and the kid are talking about Star Wars. Like, will they make another Star Wars movie? And it's like, they didn't know if they were going to make any more Star Wars. But now it's funny because they are going to make a shit ton more Star Wars movies. So, yeah. it, you know, jokes like that, like little scenes and moments like that, um, you know, usually written into films like this because the writer has future knowledge. And you're kind of laughing at it, but you're like, oh, well... You know, they put that in there because they know it's going to happen. But, you know, in this movie, they didn't know. And then it just kind of, you know, magically... Everything was like a happy accident almost in this movie. Yeah, though, though, to be fair, there is... The editor still gets a lot of control, <laughs> like, of uh, of what he wants to show and when. Well, yeah, true. With but, the prior knowledge. True, but, I mean, uh, it's just sort of interesting, like, having that stuff in there. And uh, But, yeah, I think... Uh, the other thing that Richard Linklater really scored on was the kid. I mean, I think he's a he's a very natural actor, um, especially when he was a child. Um, and the fact that his daughter, uh, who plays the sister, is very good too. Um, but the the you know the the kid, the main star, like the fact that he was able to find a kid that was, you know had a good on-screen persona but then like he also grew up to be pretty you know a good-looking kid like he the, like he just like fell into all these like you know great things like i don't know how like if he just had like the natural instinct to be like yes this is the guy like this is my you know the kid that i'm gonna follow uh yeah it was it, it i really do want to see like the thought process behind a lot of it because i feel like you know, it says it was, you know, he scripted it, but I feel like a lot of it uh, had to have been unscripted. Like, it just, there's some of that stuff I don't think you could account for since you're doing it the way that he did. Um, so very interesting and, and very interesting process as to how it came about. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very glad that it was a three-hour movie. I think it's like the fastest three-hour movie I've sat through maybe ever. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes by so quickly Uh and honestly, I, I could have sat there and watched it. Uh, I could have watched till he just died, like he was just an old man. <laughs> like, it could have kept going. Life like I, the movie? Just life, yeah. <laughs> life, you know, and the, we're watching it for just hours and hours and hours. And uh, well, If it does well enough, they can start working on the sequel. <laughs> I honestly thought, I, I've read that Richard Linklater wants to do a sequel. I don't know if that would be, like, Manhood or something, but... Uh, uh, be interesting to see like what he would do. So it, it, it's the exact same film told all over again, but it's still from that same boy's point of view. So he, <laughs> <laughs> dude, he's an Ethan Hawke character. It's it's all the <laughs> yeah. It basically just happens the exact same way. Right. Oh, I also want to say that Ethan Hawke uh, is tremendous in this film. Like I I think that he's such an undervalued actor, and he always shines uh, in Richard Linklater films. And uh, it's always kind of sad to see him in something like The Purge, where he's sort of wasted. Um, but uh, I, I think he's... Any scene with him in this movie was just really great. I mean, all the actors are great. Patricia Arquette is really good, too. Uh, but I, I just feel like he he just doesn't get enough praise. Because, I, I mean, like, you know, you watch the before movies, and, like, those 
him and and Julie Delphi just have such great chemistry and like he has such great chemistry with you know Mason in this movie and and all the other actors and it's just really good so I'll throw it to Steven yeah I mean what what can be said (laughs) that hasn't been said already (laughs) like the the obvious one even if it is a gimmick, like I wouldn't even care if it were just a gimmick. The The way that this movie is made automatically makes it extremely unique <laughs> and yeah. um, something that it's guaranteed you have never seen a film like this before. Um, the only thing I could liken it to really are other movies that try to take place over vastly different points in time, like the before movies or the seven up series of documentaries Um, yeah but this what's really different about this that i'm pretty sure i've never seen anything like before except for maybe tv shows is the gradual growth of a person yeah like like normally maybe you'll see someone as a kid a traumatic thing happens to them and then fast forward 12 years and it shows him as an adult walking in new york city sipping a coffee or something (laughs) Um, (laughs) but seeing a movie like this where it's actually at any given moment when the cuts take place, like you can tell they're there because his haircut changed or maybe his location is different or instead of cold play playing, like the killers are playing now. (laughs) But, (laughs) but other than that, it's really this remarkably, I, I don't even know how to, how to call it. It's a very like gentle, slow moving film, like a very, quiet even though big dramatic moments happen everything feels like really smoothly stitched together and then all of a sudden at the end of the movie he's 18 years old and going to college spoiler warning (laughs) Um, and oh no yeah i don't know i i found it just completely riveting i i think i was afraid when i read the conceit of the movie that it was going to turn out really really precious kind of (laughs) like that he would just I don't know I I love Richard Linkletter and I don't know of any giant misses that he's had but I feel like I know enough about his style to imagine that he could crank it to 11 and it would get maybe too much even for me (laughs) um and this definitely did not do that I thought he had a like really wonderfully light touch in everything that he did um like Carson I'm really curious how how scripted it was because I know with the before movies, for instance, he works with the actors to write, yeah, write the script as they feel the characters would have done. Yeah. And you have to imagine like, unless this kid was 12 years a slave, <laughs> like in every year he had to change his hair or whatever to do what Richard Linkletter wanted. It had to be organic, right? Like he had to grow up into the kind of kid who would conceivably rock a Connor Oberst haircut or would, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think the just all the questions that circulate to me about how on earth he made this movie and like how he could have taken this bet that a kid who was five years old when he met him would actually grow up to be the sort of person that you could tell this particular story about. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. Um, like you said, the adult actors are obviously wonderful. I think Ethan Hawke is definitely my favorite part of this movie uh, in the character he nails of the like the biological father who's a little bit absent but really trying to get it together uh 
I, I don't know. I mean, all the emphasis is placed on the kid because his growth is a little more dramatic. But I think the growth of Ethan Hawke's character through the years is probably what kept me watching more than anything else. Yeah, that was interesting. It it also is a, a for a Linkletter movie who is known for having little happen in his films. Like they're mostly very talky and philosophical. This movie did have a pretty gripping storyline, or at least some very intense dramatic moments uh, throughout it. <laughs> like I was definitely there were times when I felt like this is really heavy. Like like this is actually taking a pretty big emotional toll on me uh, in the best possible way. Uh, I would say like a fan of Linkletter would certainly love what this movie's trying to do. But I think even people that watched like Waking Life or the before movies and kind of dismissed him would be unwise to skip this thinking that it's going to be something in the same vein. Um, I think this is the kind of movie where if if it didn't have the 12-year thing going for it and it were just a coming-of-age story it would still be in the upper echelon of coming-of-age stories. Um, even if it were just like three cuts through time with different actors acting out the same thing. It, it is really a very just compelling portrait of, of boyhood, like of life growing up in, in a broken home and finding yourself and how, how little things from years ago influence who you become later. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was just incredibly cool i loved the decision he made to to um to pick the soundtrack per year <laughs> like yeah. I, I thought that really <laughs> added to the mood like with, i think the film starts and like yellow by Coldplay is playing yeah and short of actually writing like this began in 2004 or 2005 that was definitely my easiest cue to figure out like what time frame is this movie taking place in and I don't know. I really appreciated that. I like that as it gets older, you start to see you, I don't know, you feel the growth in the world, like the, the changes in musical direction and in tastes of the people and the things they talk about. It was all just super cool. <laughs> my, um, my only real regret is that he didn't start this in like the 1980s <laughs> where, <laughs> where you would really have like drastic style. Crazy. Well, also, also because it, it would more match with our, boyhood in that same age like mm -hmm. if you could watch like if you could if this would have been made then and then but we could be watching it now uh like if, if somehow it got held until now it would have even a crazier level of nostalgia for those times because at the times he's growing up we're all older than that so mm -hmm. there is there's a little bit of a disconnect from living in those ages at those times but it's still a a incredible journey yeah. to follow him through and it, but it's still great to see as a kid uh uh, the mother is saying like, oh, don't worry, you'll still be able to email your friends. <laughs> and yeah, then, you yeah. know, a few years later, there's texting and a few years later, there are smartphones. And it's just, it, it like Carson said, it's organic. I mean, it actually was filmed at this time. These were the limitations and the way that they would talk. But because it wasn't pre-planned to be cute, like, or like, oh, ha, 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 AOL, email, oh, how quaint. Like, yeah. that actually was just the way people talked back then. Apple quit. Yeah. <laughs> it really, <laughs> it, it was just a very cool thing to watch. Um, yeah, well, it, 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 all those little things get to be placed in there, and they don't feel like, um, 
they don't feel like giving like even currently now when you watch something like when you're watching a movie and they're like go on twitter and see if the whatever like in in uh in the jack ryan movie they're like referencing twitter and facebook during the course of like some espionage like event and you're like really that just sounds stupid as hell but when they're doing it in this film like that's the way you did talk at that time and and it just felt it feels like now when they do it it feels like they're trying to put it in this moment but in this it feels much more organic that that's there because it it is it's not forcefully trying to put yourself in that time it just feels naturally putting yourself in that time yeah and i also just think the uh the feed even just of technical filmmaking like if you can imagine creating a movie where you have to film every scene in chronologic order and frame the shots the way you want and have the end result look like a cohesive whole, yeah. <laughs> even though you don't get to hit rewind or retake this or reshoot that. It's just pretty incredible how how not Frankenstein this movie feels. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the you continuity could, of it. Yeah, is I mean, you, you would really expect it to feel like 13 different, mini films smashed like a, together with a transition right. or something yeah like big, vignettes or something or you would hear this terrible <laughs> terrible post-recorded dialogue in the background of oh george <laughs> w bush what a loser <laughs> like like an adult adult toby mcguire is just talking about when he was a boy is <laughs> like i make pies now <laughs> bob saget occasionally jumps in like <laughs> yeah. that was when i realized <laughs> One day I would have to like emo music. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, that's how I met your mother on an acid trip. <laughs> so, anyway, Chris, what did you think of this mil- movie? Uh, wait, wait say that again. <laughs> I called it a milm. I'll call, no. I'll call it a film. Is that is that like a manly film? It was know. a movie and a film that uh, I yeah, couldn't decide what word. Yeah, got you. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely obviously agree with you guys i mean this this is de- definitely a fantastic film uh you know some of the emotional beats got tiresome for me just the repetition of them like like d- just the portrayal of father figures in general you know besides <laughs> uh ethan hawk kind of um that's the one thing that took me out a little bit just because the the number of them and how like every guy he encounters makes mandy patinkin and wish i was here look like not such a bad guy um <laughs> <laughs> and not such a great actor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just it, like th- that that recurring theme sort of sort of wore on me a, a little bit just because I was like I it, I just didn't buy it. Um right. Which, I, I would agree with that too. I thought that it was a little repetitious. At I least didn't, in, I didn't need the second one. I think. Right. No, I yeah, it, it totally worked two. at first. Yeah, yeah. It, like I was I was like it, it hit me exactly the way it should be. And it stuck with me for a long time. And then as soon as it started to repeat, I was kind of like, it, it took away from the impact of of the first time you see something like that because of the way it was happening again. And I was kind of like, okay, I, I get it now. Like, mm-hmm. men suck. Like, whatever. Like, you know, it, it kind of... It, <laughs> this it, woman it, has horrible taste in men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It kind of took away from it. But, but like, the film as a whole... Um, doesn't doesn't do that for me like i you know carson you said that this was like the quickest uh three hours that you've ever seen in a film like i wanted this to be a 12 episode like hbo series or something because i wanted to spend like a full hour in each of these time frames and see oh yeah i would have totally um, watched that yeah like i i really um i i don't know i did it just it's a great story and it's told in little chunks and it's almost like i almost want to say 
I almost want to paint it as as a weakness to say that there's not enough time spent, like not enough is happening in each of these arcs. But that's kind of the strength of the film in a weird way, like in, you know, in like the 11th year or the 10th year or whatever of the story, um, you know, or it might have been like the 11th. But uh, Ethan Hawke is having a conversation with Mason and he, you know, they're talking and Mason's sort of like just like if this is the way stuff happens, like what's the point of any of it? And like. Uh, and that, that's sort of around that moment in the film. I like that wasn't an actual thought I was having. Like I wasn't like, oh, this film, because I, I was I was really loving it and enjoying it and liking what I was doing it. But part of the back of my head was kind of like, what is the grand thesis of this film? And like Ethan Ethan Hawke just sort of responds like, how the hell do I know? Like you know, he's saying like I, I can't give you all those answers. Those aren't there. And that like sort of fit in with the film. Like you're seeing these little isolated chunks of of the life of this boy. You're seeing how he grows up. You're seeing how those events may or may not have, have uh, led to him growing up in certain ways. And it's really just a journey that you're seeing. Like you, when you leave the film, yeah, it's three hours long and, but it does, it doesn't feel like it was forever, but you feel like you lived this boy's whole life. And um, yeah, as you guys said, like that's not something you get from watching a normal film. Uh, and and y- yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of a gimmick, uh, e- even like in my description of the film as this episode started, I didn't say anything about the plot. I just said, I just explained the gimmick of the film, which I think is what you get when you walk into it, but it works so well. And, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's it, this is one of those films that like, you kind of just say, go watch this movie and you'll either like it or you won't. But if you do, it's going to be, you know, as you were saying, Stephen, like, unlike anything that, you're ever going to see from anyone else. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know much more to say about that. Um, well, I was just going to mention, you know, the idea of doing it as like a 12 hour miniseries or something, which uh, I think would, I think would work, but I think it might break the sort of naturalistic flow that this yeah. movie contains. <laughs> um, yeah, cause it, yeah. Cause each episode you watch would be the next year. So before that transition even happens, you would, yeah You'd already be like in the conceit of like oh this is a year later um, yeah and yeah i like, mean I, I, that's why i kind of like you know having it as like this three-hour package and we're just kind of i mean obviously i wanted to spend more time um in some aspects of it but i think the way that he did it was very smart because also in the way that like you know how most coming-of-age stories, they, they hit all the same beats. Like, okay, we have to go over the first time, you know, uh, he kissed a girl or he had sex or he looked at porn. You know, like like the, the, like the teenage, you know, boy things. Like, we got to check off all these things. Mm-hmm. But this movie doesn't have those or it's not interested in those. You know, like, there's a scene where, like, they're all surrounding, like, it's like Mason and his friends are all looking at, like, porn on a computer. And then... But that's it. Like we don't really see the result of that. It's just kind of like, it's just yeah. kind of like okay, they were looking at it. This stuff is going on in the background. But we're, you know, I Richard Linklater's kind of saying like I want to focus more on like, like the small things. Like oh, you know, they, like just mundane things. Like that you don't really get to see in those kind of in these type of movies. Mm-hmm. So like I I really appreciated that. Like it wasn't you know. Uh, you know, they didn't really show you that. It was like, and and if if stuff like that did happen, maybe someone referenced it, um, but they didn't show you it. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I, it's like, 
it's almost like he knew it's like yeah you've seen this movie before but i'm going to show you you know the different side of it and and i think that was a a good choice yeah, i i definitely appreciated that there was no first time scene or no uh there were no big lessons learned in the movie there were but they were like slow burning and resounding throughout the movie we never yeah, like we yeah. never observe a moment where a character has a breakthrough <laughs> for instance yeah which mm-hmm. is much more true to life because i i'm sure i can count on one hand the number of times i've had a really life-changing conversation <laughs> it, it doesn't actually happen that way it's all about all about slow growth and about the little things in life that build up to who you become uh, yeah i love i love that aspect of it yeah, and, and I, I like just the style of the whole, like, we're checking in with him over time, because in that same vein as what you were just saying, Stephen, like, in life, uh, like, in, in films about life, I should say, uh, there there are moments um, where, like, when I'm watching them, I demand, uh, you know, if, if the characters are going to have a conversation about stuff, I demand them to convince me that that conversation actually takes place and that the dialogue they're having is meaningful in some way this film doesn't like okay, so, so uh what was um uh, what was the film carson that you and i disagreed about about the girl who uh uh the save the date um oh right? yeah 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 so the conversation they don't have at the end of the film like right. Uh, one of the things like I, I really enjoyed that film and then right at the end like I demanded to know how those <laughs> characters were going to finish that conversation like it wasn't like a fun like haha we're gonna cut the credits now because it wasn't about where they go from there it's about how she justifies her actions to him and how he accepts those actions being justified like that was yeah. the key moment for me like because n- no eventuality of where they could go matters unless that that conversation is resolved in some way and they don't have that conversation and that is is uh annoying to me it's annoying to me because they are on screen starting to have the conversation and then leave it in this film like but in real life those conversations don't often take place uh so in this film when we're just sort of checking in how things checking in on how things have changed and where the character has gone we're not stuck in scenes where characters painfully try to discuss feelings they don't understand and where the writer is trying to invent something that sounds profound. We're just seeing where that character is now. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's almost in a way cheating because they're bypassing those scenes, but it's not cheating because it is like, it's naturalistic. Like that's the way it would normally play out. And it, it lends just a, a air of credibility to, um, the narrative of the film because we're not like you know we're not seeing a labor day arc where we see literally a weekend of this boy's life and how that (laughs) led to him being a pie maker like 12 years later we are seeing like that you know these events don't necessarily link together but they are a fundamental um building block for who this person is as like not as a character in the film like what his character has become in real life uh who he is as a person and and yeah there aren't always one through arc that defines your entire life but there are things that you carry with you there are things that happen that may have not meant anything in the past but they did happen and they did form who you are so um just the sheer fact that this film is presenting this information and in some seemingly unlinked ways just really um I don't know, it has its own little bit of magic to it. And, like, when you see things that don't chain through, but that reference in the past, and, um, I don't know, it just, it, it's, 
it's done in such an interesting way that like every scene, whether or not it pertains to another scene, feels like it's important by the end of the film. And I know I really love how that was done. Well, I just going to mention that I like the ambiguity of the ending of Save the Date. Uh, and also this movie really makes Labor Day look even worse than it already is. <laughs> so, yeah. It really, like, makes any uh, coming-of-age story, uh, especially the subpar ones, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, like like we've been saying, it's a unique presentation, and I think my only real minor criticism, I mean, it's a blip on, on the radar, but uh, the only thing that I thought felt a little... Uh, stock to me was that when he's older and and goes off to college you know he's going off to college you know whether he is that person in real life i feel like that was definitely uh a filmmaking choice that richard Lake later decided to make you know him grow up to be this sort of uh, uh this kid who thinks he knows it all but he doesn't and i think there is he is trying to make a statement there, like maybe saying that, you know, a lot of kids are like this at this age and, um, you know, they don't, they think they know it all, but they don't. Um, do, do you think he really, the character really thinks he knows it all? No, I don't. I, I do I feel don't. like he, he thinks he knows, he isn't quite aware of how little he knows. No, no, Which I, is okay. I, I think, like, that's true. <laughs> I think that's fine. Like, I think that's totally fine. I just think that, we have seen that type of character before. And I know that not all teens are like that. That's just what I was trying to like hypothesize, I guess, you know, or put into words is that, you know, not all uh, teens sit around and go like, Oh, you know, we just got to let the moment seize us instead of seize the moment. You know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just think that, <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely is. I, I imagine that Richard Linkletter writes characters as he lived. And and the problem is people who make these indie films have very particular lives, I think. Um, yeah. Right. And it's kind of like that. It's kind of like how... What? I no. Mean, it's kind of like I didn't, I didn't like Waking Life just because it was all like philosophical conversations like that. And I found it to be off-putting. Um, but I appreciate that film because I think it was merely an excuse to have him experiment with that rotoscoping technique, which he really put to great use in a scanner darkly. Um, yeah. uh, and, you know, he made that movie tape with Ethan Hawke and uh, Uma Thurman and Robert Sean Leonard, which just the three of them in a motel room for the whole movie. And they're kind of talking about all kinds of different crap. And But that movie to me is like really riveting like it's almost like a thriller and it's like everybody in this one location and it's like this movie where it's like an experiment you know um but i just felt like that was just like a really minor thing um and and i think that i think it was mostly there for to make the statement like when you're young you think you know it all but you don't um but it comes off like a little like like a little weird like it took me out a little bit you know like how like with the second drunken dad uh, or stepfather, but again, like it's it's a it's a like minor blip on this film's radar. Like it's not anything that would detract from 
the greatness of it. But it's just something I picked up on. It was kind of like, eh, I, I wouldn't have gone there, but that's not me. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't relate in that capacity. So I don't know. That's just a personal thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because I was going to say, I especially appreciated that by the end, he is not necessarily the most perfect version of himself. <laughs> like you no, still I see, think that's good. Yeah. Like when I was seeing him, I think if I were five years younger and I saw the scenes of him on the road trip with his girlfriend talking about, you know, talking about the government and about life and about how we're all robots, blah, blah, blah. I would think, wow, this movie is trying to say that he grew up and now he's really questioning things and, I'm supposed to be believing him where even a few years later, and I imagine Linkletter being far more years in the future than I am (laughs) with respect to the kid. um, It's much more a, just an observation of like, this is when you grow up and start questioning and you're not right about everything, (laughs) but it still is the character trait of of you coming into your own. Uh, And, and so I really like that. Actually, I would have, I would have not liked it if he felt precociously smart or knowing for his age. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think also with, with those scenes, I mean, first of all, there are seeds in there from the way his dad was, like all the conversations and like the 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 little clips of his dad trying to be all political activist in <laughs> stealing signs from, <laughs> from uh, competing candidates, uh, yeah. uh, supporters' lawns and stuff like that. Like, I think there is an edge of... Uh, he, like that that some of that from his dad uh, you know bled into him so to speak and and while he's not necessarily in, like focusing it in the same direction as his dad was um, that people in this time were more fo- focusing it uh, inward a little bit and like in those scenes he doesn't sound like the hippie guy from other films where he comes in and is like yeah man you know fight the power and we got to do all this stuff and like chain ourselves to trees he just sounds like a kid like he sounds a little bit douchey in those conversations and um, yeah, he doesn't sound like authoritative in a way where he actually has the answer. He just sounds like that's something that he thinks about. And like, it, it sounds like one of those drunk or high conversations that people have, not <laughs> like him standing on a soapbox trying to preach that message. Um, so like he was just telling his girlfriend that he wasn't like going out, like trying to reprimand other people for participating in Facebook or anything like that. Like, so I don't know. I guess I read it not as harshly as you guys did. Um, and I kind of viewed him not as really thinking he knows everything, but just not being concerned with a lot of things or being apathetic towards a lot of things. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't see him as being smart, thinking he was smarter than everyone else, just sort of like not caring about a lot of the things that other people cared about, which I don't, I don't know. That's a different way to read the character maybe. And maybe that's inserting some of myself into that story, but I don't know. Yeah. Thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I just think that, um, like, I, I think it was mostly a personal thing. Cause like I, I can see what they were doing, but I feel like it wasn't completely, you know, like I didn't completely relate to that i think if if it had been something like he you know he was a aspiring photographer and he really thought all the pictures he took were like super awesome but they were really shitty Mm -hmm. um then i would have totally related because i would have been like (laughs) 
I'd have been like, because you take shitty photos. Because I would have been like, damn, like I thought White Saw was like the hottest thing since sliced bread, but it's a pile of dog crap. So, you know, it's just like, but 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 at that age, you'd think like, yes, I am I am doing this and making this. You know, this is the coolest thing ever. But then when you're older and you look back on it, you're like, that was just awful. Wait, so Carson, you're saying that when you were making White Saw, you thought it was the coolest thing ever? I, I totally did. I thought we were making something hilarious. And you're like, I'm awesome. going to submit this to film festivals. <laughs> I was like, I can't because of all the music rights. I'm going to get yeah. a screening done at my high school. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> going to make posters and everything. But yeah. <laughs> going to make a MySpace page, everything. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, that's just, I guess it's different strokes for different folks, but, I mean, again, minor, uh, sort of thing that took me out of yeah, it. Yeah, the, the only real minor complaints that I would have are, as you both mentioned, the, the second stepfather felt unnecessary. I, I yeah. think maybe that is true to life, that people repeat their mistakes again. Um, yeah maybe someone who has lived that would find that that actually resonates with them quite a bit. But, I, but I'm I glad was, that they didn't go through with it. Yeah, I, I'm i at least glad that the second oh, time around, it. it didn't dwell on him. It was yeah. kind of like a a footnote of, oh, by the way, this is happening again. But this time we're not going to put you through too much of the tension, like just enough to tell you that it's there. Um, and, 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 and believe me, like, I'm totally fine with there being, uh, I forget the line he uses when he's talking to Ethan Hawke, like, later on in the film where he says, you know, it would have saved me from that, like, string of drunken assholes or whatever. Like, I'm fine with, the, like, like her repeatedly dating douchey guys. Like, I have no problem with that. It's just the fact that, like, there's a lot of, like, zoom in on the beer can and it being opened yeah. and then him drinking and then, you know, the, the stepfather going, like, hey, you, you listen to me? And like, <laughs> all this, like that's... Let me be wearing an earring last summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like that that whole um, them fitting into a definite type, uh, that was just sort of what drained on me. Not that yeah. the dude turned out to, not to be good for his mom. Like, I'm fine with that being the truth. It just, I, I didn't, like, that's just what the one thing that felt false to me. Um, but... Yeah, it is interesting though how that scene where the uh, the second dad is sitting in the kitchen and Mason walks in and he's got like uh, his fingernails painted uh, and he's sitting there and he cracks open a beer. It is interesting because like there was like an like two old ladies in the audience who were just like oh <laughs> like they like reacted like oh, <laughs> no, I had the same lady again. in my audience <laughs> <laughs> not again. Yeah, I thought I yeah. thought that was a little too on the nose, but. Uh... It's something I can forgive it for. If if the movie hadn't had everything else going for it, I would maybe be more critical of it. Right now, I'm just amazed he managed to get any story cohesively told. So I don't yeah, right. I don't harp too much on like the details of the story. Um, and so so that was one minor thing. And, and the second minor thing, which I don't I don't even know how to verbalize it. I just have to have have this empty category for uh, I feel like even if I don't know what it is, more could have been done with the story. Like I thought it was a fine coming of age story and it told a lot of, it, it captured a lot of really good moments, but I still feel like maybe there is room to improve on this. And that if the novelty of the 12 year thing 
had worn off upon a second viewing, I feel like I might find more places where I, I would have preferred the story to go somewhere else. But that's almost a useless criticism. I, I just wanted to say the movie isn't perfect. It's just so damn good in so many ways that I don't care <laughs> too much. Right. Well, th- th- that's sort of what I was trying to get at when I was saying uh, originally about how, like, in the back of my head, there was sort of, like, this, what is the point of, like, this this jumping around a little bit? And then I, you know, kind of tried to throw it back in there that, like, the quote at the end about, like, you know, I don't have all the answers um, sort of let that sink away in the back of my mind. Um, but yeah, I definitely felt a similar thing to where it's like the conceit of what we're doing is the primary thing of what we are doing. And it, it I do kind of want more of a full narrative, but what it's doing overall makes up for the fact that there isn't a complete narrative there. And the fact that like in life, every single event um, does build to who you are, but doesn't chain together into all the events that brought you to where you are. Like so, it's like little isolated pockets build up your character as a person, but don't necessarily go A to B to C in defining where you are in this exact moment. Um, so, I don't know. Like that—that that was definitely a thing I was thinking about the entire film. Uh, but it doesn't detract from the experience of watching the film. And I think that if this wasn't done in this way and it was different actors over time and the adults were all actors in age makeup by the end of the film, it would be if all, all the events took place in the exact same way, but you didn't get to see the physical changes in the character and know that that's the same, that's the same person, but maybe a little bit heavier or a little bit like thinner. And this is the same boy that's, you know, older and like changing physically and stuff like that, that, just based on the narrative of the film, it would be a lot weaker. <clears throat> Sorry, I was stretching. <laughs> well, I just didn't know if anybody would have something to say at that. <laughs> I agree. I agree too. Car- Carson's just stretching. <laughs> I was, but I was stretching like right as you ended, so I couldn't like immediately yeah. say. Otherwise, it'd be like, Ugh. anyway, <laughs> that would have been a good response to it. <laughs> Like, isn't that right, guys? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Your, your stretch took place during the gap between one of the years in our review. Yes, it did. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, does anybody, any last thoughts on the film before we uh, wrap this up? I don't think so. I think this is one of those movies where it's so good that I can't say too much about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where people should just be seeing it. Yeah. And if, if you don't like it, then too bad. But at least you saw it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, why, why don't you say we uh, wrap this up then, guys, and get to our verdicts. All right. Cool. Well, Carson, uh, why don't you let us know if you were going to give this a must-see, a reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I would definitely give it a must-see. I think uh, in terms of... Richard Linklater's ex- sort of indie experimental movies, uh, this is probably the most mainstream. So I think that it could connect with uh, most audience. Like, no matter what your age is, I think there's just, you know, there's a lot to get out of it, uh, just, you know, from growing up and everything. So, yeah, definitely. I think even more so than, like, the before movies, um, I think this this definitely would connect with a lot more people. Steven? Yeah, I have to go with must-see, too. Um, there must exist a type of person who will not resonate with this movie. 
I, I think <laughs> lights camera Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that set of people is much smaller than it is for the before movies. Like like I can I can conceivably imagine getting annoyed with the before movies if you're not engaged with the characters. Uh, with this, I feel like there's so much to respect that I would be very surprised if you walked away from it wishing you could have those three hours back. Um, maybe it's possible that someone would feel that it drags too long if they're really not not vibing with it or if they're expecting a very very definite arc and point to everything then they might be a little disappointed but for the most part i think it's an amazing accomplishment that you won't be seeing again for at least another 12 years and uh, <laughs> it is definitely worth seeing even if you're gonna hate it it's worth knowing about it and having some formulated reason of why it didn't work for you uh, for me i definitely loved it chris uh yeah i loved it also it is a must-see for me even with uh, the few little minor things that bug me about the film um and you know to, to piggyback off what uh steven was saying about not needing your three hours back after you saw it um for me to see this film i had to drive not too far but i had to drive a little ways and uh, if you factor in my drive time and the length of the film, I left my house at 8.30 in the morning and I got home at 2 in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> and even that gap of time was 100% worth it. So <laughs> if this is anywhere near you, you should be driving out uh, to go see it. Um, I, I mean, I still uh, like the Before Trilogy more simply because the... I think that the statements those films are making are like obviously grander. And this is, this is not only a look at like, you know, those films equaled the state of life I'm in now. And the, the this film boyhood, obviously I'm no longer a little boy. So um, that's a, a look backward and watching somebody grow up in a, of a journey that I've already been on. So um, the before trilogy resonates with me more personally, but um, this film is still fantastic. And uh, even if you didn't like those or you have no interest in seeing those, you should check out Boyhood because, um, yeah, I think you should. And I'll also be curious to, to see what the ladies felt about this film because obviously the three of us are male and we are boys who grew up. In the hood. So, yeah, in the hood. So I don't, I, I don't know... Um, those mean streets yeah, of Escondido. I, I just, hey, I grew up on the mean streets of Oceanside, Ooh, so. Those oh, are damn. more mean. <laughs> they, they, they were a little they're more the, mean. They're the meanest. Well, well, in, in all honesty, I, I grew up in the nicer part of Oceanside. <laughs> I went to school in the not, not as nice part In the mean cul-de-sacs of Upper Oceanside. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways... I think uh, you could. I think as a, I'm, I'm guessing because I don't know, but uh, I think uh, the opposite sex. I think you could easily place yourself into, you know, like it's interchangeable. I feel maybe. Yeah, I mean, there there I probably are some male specific things, yeah, things that are revealed in this, but I think most of it generalizes I, and definitely. I, I, yeah. I, I mean. So Mason is the main character in the movie, but you do get to watch Linkletter's daughter, uh, the character Samantha, yeah. grow at the same yeah. time, and uh, Patricia Arquette's fears as a mother. Uh, I think there's a lot of universal stuff here. It, it's probably right, skewed yeah. a bit, but I can't imagine it being a deal breaker for too many people. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't mean it as in an, an, an expectation that they wouldn't appreciate it as much. I was just curious if um, it resonates a little more with us because it's telling a part of our life that we went through um, and that, you know, the female experience as young kids growing up through this time might be a little bit different. Uh, but then again, they grew up a little bit later than us. So there's a lot of more mainstream appeal of the stuff that the kids were going through that appealed to both sexes as opposed to when we were little, it was more like, you know, boys do this kind of thing. And yeah, girls that's do true. This kind They're of a thing. little more similar. <laughs> yeah. Boys so are like, you know, when we were, when we were young, oh, paint their nails, rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> anyways these damn kids <laughs> alright well that is a review of Boyhood hopefully you guys enjoyed that and hopefully you guys go out and see the movie or have already seen it um, but uh, we're going to take off so Carson if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com I don't know why I said that very uh, whatever you know uh, I do know. Steven. Uh, if people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast or at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our website at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can call and leave us a, vo- a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from some selection of the songs that played during the 12 years that this film was being made. And, uh, yeah, we are going to take off and uh, go record a review of Lucy which is actually in the feed before this episode because it will be released before it because time. Huey Lewis in the news. Totally. Back in time. <laughs> Gotta get back in time. <laughs> Later, guys. Later.